There are so many moments of faith that are rooted in heartfelt intention. Intention for God to get God's way, even though we as a people group also have the consideration of our flesh in those moments. Now, God is not here to appease your flesh. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Listen up. For such a time as this, we must grow our faith and business muscles. The self-help industry is trying to own spirituality and well-being, The entrepreneurial space is becoming flooded with business pursuits focused on success instead of sustenance. But the only one who can make us fully whole, fully free, and fully alive is Jesus. So I'm ecstatic you walked into this hypothetical gym today. I'm your trainer, Tamara Andress, also coined an entrepreneurial rabbi, teaching the pursuits of God, which unveil our purpose and ultimately unleash our desired provision. This FIT acronym is for founders, innovators, and trailblazers. Here, Marketplace ministers conversate and educate to build others from the inside out while also sharing their testimonies of endurance. So while it's not a fitness broadcast, I do surely care about your mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual health. You're going to hear all about it. If you're passionate about your becoming journey, leading others to greatness, and living a life of abundance and joy, then you're well on your way to being fit in faith. Let's hydrate. So I was sitting in my Bible chair and I was not ready to get up. And so I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh no, it's 6.01. And I just felt that release of, oh yes, it's 6.01. Like the Lord is not on our time. So as much as we can schedule and do all the things, like he just wants you to be with him. He just wants your attention and your presence. And so I came out to shift things around and at the heart of why I do this. There's an intention to why I do it. And it's exactly what I want to share today with you all 
is about intentions. And this morning in Genesis, going through the Bible recap, we're talking through, I believe it's 12 through 15, 13 through 6, 12 through 15. And uh, I was simmering on what God wanted me to share. And initially I said, God, what do you want me to share? And it immediately shifted to, God, what do you want to share? What do you want to share? Because I think with an intention of going live, with an intention of being on camera, with an intention of, you know, uh, people, community, building, whatever it is, there can be an intention uh, focused on self or there can be an intention focused on God. And I have shared this before, but this is like an unfollow me campaign. And I can surely reference metrics if I want, but how many times could Abraham reference metrics? How many times could he, how many times could he get in his own way based on his agenda, his understanding? And of course, the easiest thing to think through when it comes to agenda and timing uh, with Abraham specifically and Sarai or Sarah shifted from Sarai is, is the baby is the, the line of Abraham, which was going to be more plentiful than the stars in the sky, more plentiful than the dust on the earth. And like in his limited perspective, he couldn't understand that. And even through 12 to 15 before all of this happens and the covenant actually is secured, he's questioning God. And he actually does a couple of things with, I believe, pure intention without fully understanding what God is doing. And I think God is consistently seeing the righteousness of him in the knowingness that his faith precedes his intention. Therefore, his intentions are connected to righteousness, and therefore, it's a reflection of God the Father. So let's talk through some intentions, um, but first, let me pray. God, we are here. We are ready. We are yearning. We are expectant. We are hopeful, not only for a move of God, Lord, but just a touch from you. Just a touch from you, God. We see how Abraham gets to walk with you, how he gets to talk with you, how he gets to commune with you and hear from you and activate from you and ask you questions, Lord. And you have removed the veil so that we can do the exact same thing. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us. Like the whispers of the wind, you're with us. We can feel you. We can trust you. And God, I just pray that you align our intentions with yours. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Thank you for everyone who listens to those. That it would just bless them. That it would just bless them. That they would hear you and not me. Use me as a conduit, Lord. Use me as a vessel. Thank you for that gift. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. I see you guys jumping on live. Feel free to ask questions, drop comments, tell me where you're tuning in from. I have got the one rule. When I'm on the Peloton and you're listening, you have to be moving. You have to be going with me. Otherwise, I feel, well, like you're listening to an awkward huffing and puffing, and that's just weird. So let's jump in. I want to talk about intentions. Um, and this is why when I was praying with God before I got on, even before that prayer, and asking him what he wanted to share, 
The question about intentions came up for me when I was reading about the moment when Abraham positioned Sarai. Now, remember, Abram is Abraham. Sarai is Sarah. So I'll try to use the context of the language that they're using now. But we know that God changes their names later. So Abram positions Sarai as his sister when he's going into Egypt because he knew that the Egyptian king, based on her beauty, was going to take uh, her as a wife and potentially kill him because of it. But as a brother, he would be looked upon as favor, essentially like, um, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not nice. It's, um, like, oh, manipulation. That's what I'm looking for. It's like a manipulation tactic to be like, hey, I'm just going to give you all the riches of the kingdom. I'm going to let you live real comfortably. Thanks for letting me have your sister. Right. And I thought about that because it was a lie. And so how in the lying does God bless? And why would he do that if at that moment Moses is walking out of righteousness, out of alignment? And it comes back to this in my perspective based on what God gave. And I'm going to give you some other references just in these three chapters alone. The intentions of Abram, the intentions that were connected to the father without his potential understanding, but just as Job was a righteous man, so was Abram. And Abram was following God's commands time after time. And in faith, no different than the faith of a mustard seed, the faith of friends when they drop the man through the ceiling, the faith of the blind man, the faith of the father on behalf of his demonic, um, demonized son. Um, there's the faith of Hannah. There are so many moments of faith that are rooted in heartfelt intention, intention for God to get God's way, even though we as a people group also have the consideration of our flesh in those moments. Now, God is not here to appease your flesh. So take that for a moment. God was not there to appease Abram's flesh by pulling Sarai out of that scenario and giving that king a plague, right? God was concerned with God's intention. And his intention was for Abram and Sarai to have a lineage far greater than we could count that would eventually lead to Jesus. And so God will do things. Things may happen inside of his grandiose storyline that we can't comprehend. Imagine being on the receiving end of said plague. Now, he was having concubines and all of these things, and that was kind of the way of the world at the time to multiply. Um, but it doesn't mean that it was right and that the manipulation tactics that were given to the brother were condoned. None of those things are of good nature. It's out of greed. It's out of lust that because she was a beautiful woman, that these things were transpiring. Now, going back to the original idea, is Abram, his lie, because it was rooted in good intention, overshadowed by God's righteousness? This is a big question, and I don't encourage you to go around lying because you think that God's righteousness is going to cover you. That's not my intention to ask. We're going to talk about different areas of intent. 
because it goes on to after they leave Egypt, um, there was an intention and a covering of God even in that scenario because they multiplied all of their livestock. They multiplied all of their riches. It says that after he left, um, Abram, uh, Abram in 13, one had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. So God used that scenario, even with whatever intention Abram did or didn't have. Ultimately, I believe his intention was just to protect his wife and to manage what it was that he was managing as a family and as a people group at that point. Ultimately leading to the fact that God got God's way. He supplied him with the riches and the good that he needed to then go back in to what appearingly was outside of Egypt, a, an empty space where the Canaanites were still dwelling, which was were, who were enemies of God. So he needed him to go and to be fulfilled and have what he needed. So he didn't have to succumb to more manipulation tactics on behalf of people like the Canaanites or even Lot. So now we're in this place where Lot and Abram are going to split ways. This is before Sodom and Gomorrah. So just to give you context of that. And this is another place of intention on behalf of Abram. So when we're paralleling this to our own lives, what is your purest intention? What is the deepest intention when you do things for people? I think because we are so flesh oriented, we can get to a place where our intentions are not pure. And this could be a sales strategy. This could be because you're trying to get mine. You're trying to feed your family. You're trying to protect your family. And so they could be out of notable, honorable concepts. And I was going to say, but, and they can also not be in the full righteousness of God. So with it's removing faith, essentially. And I think faith and intention have to go together because faith requires bravery. It also requires surrender. And so, so many times, just in these three chapters, Abram is surrendering to the outcome because he knows God has promised him this already and he's operating in faith. He's also in communion with God. There's no time yet where you hear that God is silent. Even though Abram is asking questions, God's responding. And so I think when we think about our intentions, we are able to confront God, to ask God, to clean our hearts, to purify our minds, to make sure that this is an intention for God and God alone. It's literally why I started these again, because I realized my fleshly intention was, eh, this doesn't always fit. Uh, I don't really love parts of it. I, I feel like it's better sounding. It's better lighting. It's all these like silly things that are essentially my intention shifting from God, which is where this started. He said, speak, go live. He didn't ask me to put lights on. He didn't care what I was wearing. He didn't care what time of day it was. It was his agenda, not mine. And so I can shift we can easily shift intentions to meet flesh. 
And when we operate like Abram, outside of flesh, outside of understanding, but in utter faith, the world around you will change. So much so that when he operated with Lot and Abram, and it was now time because of the wealth that they had acquired, and he also was kind of confused how his, his a lot was going to essentially inherit everything that Abram would have based on culture at this point. So a family member wouldn't be the inheritor um, of the, the property, all of the things. And he's like, but Lot is his brother's son. And the lineage line, the name that you say is going to be a great name of nations would essentially eventually disappear if this person becomes the owner of said property. So again, without full understanding of how this is going to happen, he put the opportunity in Lot's hands. What's the intention here? The intention of Abram is to say, hey, we're family, we're close relatives. Let's not quarrel over this of of space or who gets what or when our herders are fighting because of our animals colliding. Let's not do this. It's not the, is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go to the left. There's, there's no part of Abram in this moment that you see him thinking for himself. He's literally like, can we just be at peace here? And isn't the whole land before us, even though the Canaanites are there and we, we've been promised all of this land. Go where you're going to go. He has faith that he's not going to choose the place in which God wants him to be or dwell. Because God is God. And so he gives Lot the opportunity to choose. And so I'm curious, like even just as a mom or a spouse or a friend, like do you let your friends choose? But without intention, like you're not trying to get anything out of their choice. You're not trying to have a better situation on your end based on your giving of anything. We're going to talk about giving here in a minute connected to Melchizedek and what he does in the first experience of tithing. Gosh, the intentions of Abram. God, we just thank you that you brought this word to my mind this morning, that you're allowing us to really unpack our intentions I, I have a really silly example that I'm going to share just that was coming to mind outside of uh, my weekend event. I uh, got to celebrate my sister this weekend, um, which if you know anything about our backstory, you guys don't know a lot of it, but that's a, a book in the future maybe. We'll co-write it. Um, there's There's been a lot of tumultuous experiences in our relationship. Um aging back to times I don't even remember. Like I literally don't recollect. So when she's sharing her story with me, I feel like it's a made up version of me. Um, I was so little and, and yet her clarity on the situation, I'm like, Oh, like I feel so sad for that person. And, and that really, walked us through our entire life. There was just this rooted pent up anger and frustration. And it was really, it's really sad, but God has brought us through so much. There's been so much redemption, so much so that I got to baptize her and her husband just at founder con this past fall. It was just like full circle moments that you can't even 
you can't even possibly understand. Okay. And yet I'm sure you have relationships in your own life where you're like, yeah, that didn't make sense in the natural, but we put our intentions to the side, our fleshly intentions to be right. Our fleshly intentions to be understood, our fleshly intentions to, um, have more favor, not necessarily from God, but maybe from family or connections or relationships to be seen in a positive light. Um, gosh, man, we've put so many of our own intentions to the side because we know that the hand of God is over our family, over the redemption of our family. And we're not super special. We're, we're not anybody different other than the fact that we are special to God. And so are you. And so is your family. And so if you're praying for a relationship to be reestablished in God, I am praying alongside you. There are still family members that I am warring for that if they could just shift their intentions, if they could elevate their faith, if they could release their fleshly desires for more, 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 golly, God would give them plenty. You know, more that word. I want more of you, God. They say this is the word over the open door year that God is going to pour out more. And if we could shift our eyes from our fleshly intention of more and what cultural context gives us as more, just like the riches, just like the moment of Abram saying, God, I know you've given, you've promised me all this land. So sure, Lot can have his take, his share. This is plenty for me, God. Not even knowing the grandiose scheme of what was going to transpire after that. And so I think about that from our fleshly intent of relationships, of intention, And I'm praying alongside you. So I went to celebrate my sister this weekend is where this started. And she was in a, um, a beauty pageant called, called Miss USA Earth. And she has been the the Miss Virginia for the past year. And, uh, it's an agriculturally based, environmentally enhanced and focused, um, beauty pageant, which is interesting, (laughs) something I've never been exposed to before. Uh, and it was the first time I ever went to a pageant and it was uh, so, oh my gosh, I, I, that's a whole podcast (laughs) about judgment and comparison and, um, oh my gosh, the judgmental culture that is created in that, even though they're celebrating everyone, it's a natural state in which you're walking and watching and judging. It's very interesting. However, the heartbeat, the intention behind these women showing up and doing these things is so much deeper, so much richer than a catwalk could ever share. And so I know that there were videos and applications and things that went into the back end, but the audience doesn't know that. And so it felt mucky in some sense. Um, and I brought a book for my sister, which she just published. I'm so proud of her. Um, she, she got some wisdom from a publishing house that we have in order to bring it to light. And she ended up doing it on her own because she had a short time frame and just so proud of the fact that she established this passion and brought it to life. She's been wanting to be an author long before I ever knew that I'd be an author. And I brought my, the book to one, cause I had one of the first copies and two, my intention 
was that no matter what happened through the win, the crown, the tiara, any of the things connected to the pageant, that she would take a moment to celebrate what God had done through her life to this point that was a part of this pageant. God had an intention for her to establish confidence in a way that we couldn't see in the natural, but I got to witness. It was so amazing. So to hand her her book and to see her sign it and get emotional and just hold space for that, my intention was that she would take a moment just a moment in the midst of all of these other things to celebrate herself and to celebrate what God had done through her in this season. Pure intention. Now, that does not mean that that intention couldn't be manipulated. And this is where Abram in Lot, this relationship in this moment, I was shocked that Lot wasn't like, what's the backstory here? uncle. (laughs) Why would you allow me to choose anywhere that I want to go? What do you know that I don't know? And I have been tainted. (laughs) We have been tainted by people in relationships. And so we are immediately moved to perceive that somebody's intention is not pure. And so we've had this conflict in our relationship years and years and years of what's your intention And I want you all to process that before you flag a fellow sister or brother in Christ. Don't immediately flag their intention as impure. Instead, go to God and let God get God's way through the scenario in spite of their intentions. But to stay in the righteousness of your intention and allow your mustard seed of faith to be pure, to be pure. And so that is something I'm personally working on, walking through, is to question my intention and to present it to God so that God gets God's way. His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We can say that, but are we walking in pure intention to do that? So Abram allows his or his nephew to get the pick of the land. And Lot chooses the land that is closest to Sodom, which is a thriving, bustling city at this point, which we know later what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah. And what's happening actually is a lot of evil. And a lot of that evil is what's provoking the riches. Sound familiar? A lot of the evil of our society, of our American culture, is provoking riches and wealth. And it is destroying. There's a self-combustion happening. We called it, last year we went into like the indigestion of America. Oh man, the self-explosive chaos by what we put in our mouth. What we put in our eyes. What do we put in our ears. What we're exposed to as a society. That's constantly being infiltrated. And I feel like when we have pure intention, what happens is the Holy Spirit, the light of the world, the city on the hill goes from the inside out versus from the outside in. And that's the beauty of pure intention. So we go on to see that Lot chooses this land that ends up later being a part of his demise. He actually, in this 12 to 15 series um, section of Genesis, he gets confiscated. He gets essentially abducted by the enemy 
And Abram, in his pure intention, goes to save his nephew. He saves his nephew still under the not understanding, like, God, where is this leading to? Am I ever going to have a son of my own? But he acts on behalf of what God would want him to do. And in that moment, bringing him back in, Melchizedek honors what Abram just did. He honors, and so much so that it is a reflection of Jesus. Because that's who Melchizedek is like an Old Testament lens on Jesus. If you didn't know this, we're going to study this as we go through. But Melchizedek brought bread and wine. He was a priest and a king. We've talked about this too. We are both priests and kings here on earth. And so Melchizedek is the example of that. He blessed Abram saying, blessed be, by, be Abram by God the Most High, the creator of the heaven and the earth, and praise be to the God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. I believe our pure intention will deliver the enemies into our hand and that we won't have to do some of the things that we are currently doing or we think we need to do in order for victory to transpire. Now, Abram went into war. He went into the battle. He went in to confiscate. So I believe there will be those who are called to go into the battle. He brought 318 of his own men, his own family, the ones who which could have completely been diminished in that moment. He was willing to go face the fight because he was purely intended to save his nephew and the line of the family of God. So Abraham gave him a tenth of everything, everything that he owned, Melchizedek. He honored the king and the priest, and you don't see him doing that with the other king of Egypt. So again, intentions... He received from the enemy when Sarai was taken, and now he is giving to this, this Christ-like incarnate here on earth, this king. Oh gosh, it's so good how you can see someone operate in front of hierarchy with different, with different responses based on intention. Man, y'all, thank you, Lord, for this word. The next part is another element of pure intention. When he is given the opportunity to take, he's, he's given the opportunity to be blessed in the natural. But he says, I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say that I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what the men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. Let them have their share. I find that part interesting because he, he trusted him enough to tithe, but he doesn't want to take anything in response. Now, processing that on what's happening in the four-walled church, what's happening in politics, what's happening in education. There are a lot of things they say, give me and I'll give you. Give me and out of different intention, I will give you. Now, I don't know Melchizedek's intention with this. I, I, I don't 
I honestly don't know because he's a king and a priest and I told you he's Christ-like. So why would Abram not receive? But I think ultimately it comes back to Abram's devout faith. Because at this point, Melchizedek doesn't say that he's a Christ-like incarnate. He's a man. And so with that, he doesn't trust men over trusting God. That's the intention. He says, no, I'm good. I've got plenty. Please give my men their fair share, what they earned in going in. But, but I, I don't want to be linked to you. I don't want to be tied to your ministry because I've received something from you. And now I have to do this thing. I don't want you coming knocking on my door a couple years later to say, I made you. Give me what you got. And that's essentially what Abram is saying here. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm good. Give them their share. I trust God is going to continue to supply for my every need. Ma'am, I think of business deals. I think of percentages. Ah, uh, it makes me think of a dislike payback thing that's happening. Hey, you didn't pay me back. Not pay me back like you owe someone money because that's a debt. You're supposed to pay those things back. But like referral fees and it, it's interesting, you know? There's a lot of elements of that that can get muddy. Um, and if we just have pure intention to serve and to know that there's enough to go around, I mean, oh, that's a small tangent, but I hope that it sits with you. All right, let's go to the Lord's covenant with Abram. This is God's intention. And this I love so much, but it's ultimately Abram's question that allows God to make this incredible covenant, which he had already established. He already told him that this was going to happen, but he makes it in the natural. Even though Abram's asleep when it happens, he makes it in the natural and establishes what the tradition was, the common practice of covenant sealing, which was to cut the animal in half and to walk through together in order to seal the covenant. But God puts Abram to sleep and he says, it doesn't even matter what you do. You don't have to walk through because I am going to seal this covenant in my own ability, in my strength, in my totality, in my greatness, because this plan will happen. And you, no matter what your intentions are, no matter what you decide to do in your free will choice, there will my will God's perfect will will be done. So God's intention was to secure the covenant by holy fire. He walks through this seal, which is an infinity sign of the walking. It's around one half through the center, around the other half. It's an infinity seal that is being made by God the Father for this to happen, for Jesus to get his name, to get born here on earth through the lineage of Adam, Noah, Abraham. I mean, what? It's the second son, the son of man, the son of God, all based on intention. So I'm going to stop there. I could go lots of different ways. I could share um, some other intentions, um, but I think ultimately God's desire was to search our heart this morning and to give us just this simple word of intention as a gift to become more like Christ, to walk in holiness. And what does that look like? 
It's the searching of our heart when it comes to our actions, our thoughts, and the things in which we decide to walk out every single day in relationships with our finances, with our marriages, through children, through business, through marketplace. Search my heart, oh God. Reestablish my intention rooted in righteousness. Ultimate faith, God. And even when it doesn't make sense that I would come to you in full faith and full trust that your will will be done, God, that I can allow other people to make the decisions that they want to make and I don't have to manipulate or control or try to help them see my lens, God. We want them to see your lens. We want them to see through your eyes and they might not even be in the mature state to do so. And so we still trust you. We still trust you as Abram trusted that the plans of you and your plan would prosper him and his family into the longevity of the many dust particles of the stars in the sky. We can't comprehend the magnitude of your plan, God, but we have utter faith that you've brought us through everything you've brought us through at this time, in this season, that we have breath with purpose today. And so allow our intentions to expand your kingdom, to think outside of ourselves and to think on your holy, holy plan, your divine nature that is good and kind and patient and compassionate. Oh man, God, it makes me think of our call to support the widows and the poor and the abandoned, the orphans. God, that doesn't always make sense because where's the reciprocity is where our flesh is thinking. Why would I pour into this thing when I don't get anything back in the natural? But Lord, you're calling your people to give generously, to sow into the kingdom because the riches are not the riches that we think of here in the natural. They're the supernatural treasures in heaven. And in order to do things with such faith, with such joy to give freely, God, we've got to know you. We have to be in covenant communication with you. Abram had faith because you spoke to him. He knew that he knew that he knew even when his entire family didn't understand and he had to leave them to go to an entire other place of unknown territory and travel hundreds of miles to get there, God, that you would reveal time and time again your plan. God, that we ourselves would build altars of your love in our life, the milestones that you've brought us through, that we would never consider going back, that we would never consider taking from man with ill intention to gain, to grow. God, that you are our abiding father, that you are our water, that you are our manna, that you are enough. And the more that we seek is more of you, more of your presence, more of your grace, more of your goodness, more of your wisdom, Lord. Like King Solomon, we just want more of your wisdom, that we would have eyes to see and mouths that speak of your goodness all the days of our lives, Lord. That we would break generational curses, that we would stand against the enemy. Oh God, that we would fight the good fight that we would ignore what's happening at large so that we can focus on you because when we focus on you, your will will be done. 
And you will give us supernatural plans for all of those other things to come to, to peace. The story's been written. Give us the understanding of where we fit. Give us the knowledge of where we are uniquely called. Is it our local community? Is it our, our, our nation? Is it the state? Is it the world? Is it just our neighbor? God, we know the answer to these things and the answer is yes. But search our heart first, God. Give us pure intention that are aligned to you. Give us a fresh faith, a fresh wind over our faith to extract the areas that have been implanted as need from when we were little. God, we just want new relationship, fresh relationships. God, that are going to establish goodness as you would have it be. Oh, Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We glorify you in your mighty name. We pray. Love you guys so much. Thank you for today. Um, I hope that this word met you. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and it's going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us and this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network, which is obviously why we got connected and are so grateful to be a part of the community. They have shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Some of mine that I listen to on a regular basis are on Life Audio. Even some of our community members who have been a part of the Fit and Faith team through our coaching or different organizations, they're there too. So I definitely want to drive you over there, check it out. And thanks again, Life Audio, for being you. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.